Heavenly Father, thank you for tonight, dear God. I thank you for your house, Father, and for your precious word, dear God. Please meet with us tonight, God. Just give us ears to hear your word, God, and be with our pastor, God, fill him with your spirit, Lord. And we thank you for all the blessings you've given us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, well, we're there, Leviticus chapter number 5. And I uh, just want you to just, just to start, just look at the last verse real quick, Leviticus chapter 5, and look at verse number 19. Leviticus chapter 5 and verse number 19, the last verse in the chapter there, it says, It is a trespass offering. He has certainly trespassed against the Lord. And that's what this chapter is about. We've been going through the book of Leviticus now. This is our fifth week. And we've been going through these, these chapters. And every chapter is dealt with a different offering or a different sacrifice. If you remember, we started with the burnt sacrifice. And we had the meat sacrifice, the peace sacrifice. Last week, we talked about the sin uh, offering. And now we are in the trespass offering. And this chapter is about the trespass offering. I think they're helping me out back there, so that's good. All right. And um, now, if you remember last week in chapter 4, we learned about the sin offering. And chapter 5 is about the trespass offering. But I want you to understand that the sin offering and the trespass offering are basically the same offering. They're, they're very similar uh, to each other. In fact, uh, keep your place there. And let's see. I don't know if I wrote down that verse. I'm going to not wrote that verse down, so... You know what, let's not, let's not go there, but go, go, look, at, look at verse 1, Leviticus chapter 5 and verse 1, and uh, Leviticus 5 and verse 1, notice what the Bible says, Leviticus 5 and verse 1, and if a soul sin and hear the voice of swearing and is a witness, whether he has seen or known of it, if he do not utter it, then he shall bear his iniquity, or if a soul touch any unclean thing, whether it be a carcass of an unclean beast or a carcass of an unclean cattle, or the carcass of an unclean creeping thing, and if it be hidden from him, he also shall be unclean and guilty. If you remember last week, we talked about the sins of ignorance, and we continue to talk about that here. And just by way of introduction, let me just quickly kind of explain the difference between the sin and the trespass offering, because they're they're very similar. They're not uh, very different, but there there are just some subtle differences when it comes to them. And so, just just by way of introduction, as we before we start digging into the chapter, the first thing I want you to understand about the sin offering and the trespass offering. The sin offering focuses more on individuals. If you remember uh, in, in the last chapter, it was about the priest and about the ruler and about the common people and about the congregation. The trespass offering uh, doesn't talk that much about the individual people. The sin offering is often, if you study it out in Scripture, and we won't run the verses because we've got a lot of other verses we need to look at tonight, but the, the sin offering, you'll find that it's often given at like a feast or at a special holy day where there's a set day, this is the feast on this day of this month, and they bring a sin offering with that feast where the trespass offering uh, was given more at specific times, you know, to make specific things right. The sin offering is more of a, uh, seems to be more for general sins. So you would come to a feast and you would say, I probably sinned in ignorance, I've done things that I shouldn't have done, so I'll give the sin offering, where the trespass offering was more for something specific. You're trying to make something right that is not right. And uh, so I want you to kind of understand that difference. They're basically the same. In fact, we'll see it as we continue through the book of Leviticus, that they're equated, but there are some uh, differences there. One is more general you know, I'm a sinner, therefore I'm just kind of giving a sin offering for all of my sins, you know, uh, I, I can't think of everything that I've done, I'm sure I've done things in ignorance, it's this holy day today, so I'm going to give this sin offering, where the trespass offering is more where you feel guilty about a specific sin, and you're trying to make that right. So, uh, with that said, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to get too much into the sin offering because it's very similar, but I want to just give you some things to think about from this chapter as far as the differences between these two offerings. Of course, they're both still about being, uh, about sinning through ignorance. Look at verse 2 again. It says, Or if a soul touch any unclean thing, whether it be a carcass of an unclean beast, or a carcass of an unclean cattle, or the carcass of an unclean creeping thing, and notice what it says, If it be hidden from him, he also shall be unclean and guilty. So I want you to notice that phrase, if it be hidden from from him. The idea there is that you've committed a sin, but you're not aware you you're not aware 
that you committed that sin, either because you're just not thinking or because you don't know that that's a sin. But the Bible says, he also shall be unclean, notice, and guilty. So I want you to notice that if you sin through ignorance, you are still guilty. And I, I'm, I just got to ask Brother Carlton or Brother Toby if you can help me because things mess with me. Are you guys able to hear me okay? Because I'm not sure if you can hear me fine. You can hear me fine? Okay. All right. I, I just sometimes I need to get used to things and I apologize. Look at verse 3. And if we touch the uncleanness of man, whatsoever uncleanness it be, that a man shall be defiled with all. And notice these words. If it be hid from him... When he knoweth of it, then he shall be guilty. Notice verse uh, 4. Or if a soul swear, pronouncing with his lips to do evil or to do good, whatsoever it be of a man, uh, that a man shall pronounce with an oath, and it be hid from him, when he knoweth of it, then he shall be guilty in one of these. Look at verse 5. And it shall be when he shall be guilty in one of these things. So I just want to show you that the emphasis in Scripture is that even if you sin through ignorance, you're still guilty. You're still responsible. Skip down to verse number 15. Notice what he says in verse 15. He says, If a soul commit a trespass and, notice, sin through ignorance. So we're talking about sinning through ignorance. Verse 17. And if a soul sin and commit any of these things which are forbidden to be done by the commandments of the Lord, notice, Though he wist it not, that word wist means to become aware of. Though he wasn't aware that he did it. He didn't, he, he didn't uh, do that intentionally. The Bible says, yet is he guilty and shall bear his iniquity. Look at verse 18. And he shall bring a ram without blemish out of the flock with thy estimation for a trespass offering unto the priest. And the priest shall make an atonement for him concerning his ignorance wherein he erred and wist. It not. Again, the word wish means to become aware, and it shall be forgiven him. So again, I want you to understand that the goal of this chapter is not to talk about sins that we do willfully. In fact, we're going to finish the sermon just talking about sins that we do willfully, but this chapter is about sins of ignorance, where we did not set out to do it, we did not, they were not premeditated, they were not intentional, they were either because of ignorance, because we were just ignorant of what the Bible says, or we're just not thinking at that moment about that truth in Scripture, and then we set out and do that sin. So let me give you some truths that we can learn from this passage. Go back to uh, chapter or to verse one, and let me begin by showing you three types of sins that we normally don't consider sins, because again, the point of this uh, of the chapter is about sin, sinning through ignorance, and there are some things that God causes sin. That you and I, we may assume they're not a sin. And in fact, we're given three examples of things that sometimes, you know, there, it may be things that you're doing. And you may tonight realize, wow, I didn't know that was a sin. And guess what? You're still guilty. Guess what? You, you still, uh, you know, have to pay for that. You know, it's, God's still not happy with you. But he starts off by giving us some examples. Look at uh, chapter 5 and verse 1. He says, and if a soul sin, and hear the voice of swearing... And is a witness. So this, this person, they heard a voice. They heard somebody swearing. They were witness to the fact that that happened. Whether he'd seen it or known of it. Notice what the Bible says. If he do not utter it, then he shall bear his iniquity. So here's an example of someone who knows a truth. They know the truth. There's a court case going on. Someone's in trouble, you know, and, and, and but they're going to get off because there's not any evidence. And here you are, and you're a witness, and you have knowledge, and you understand, and you know it, but you choose not to utter it. The Bible calls that a sin. Now, you may just call that, you know... Pleading the fifth, right? I mean, you may just call that whatever. But, you know, the Bible says, hey, if you know the truth... Now, we're not talking about incriminating yourself, of course. This is talking about you know that someone else did wrong. You know the truth and you don't tell anybody. God calls that a sin. So, the first example we're giving here is to not tell the truth when you know the truth. Hey, that is a sin. Now, keep your place there in Leviticus 5. Let's run some verses just real quickly. Go to the book of James in the New Testament. James chapter 4. Look at verse number 17. James chapter 4. If you start at the end of the Bible, the book of Revelation, and head backwards, you'll go past Revelation, Jude. Uh, you'll go past, what is that, 3rd, 2nd, and 1st John, 2nd and 1st Peter, James. James chapter 4. Look at verse 17. So to know the truth and not tell the truth is a sin. To be a witness because you either saw it or you know of it 
but you do not utter it, God calls that a sin, and that it may be a sin of ignorance. So I, I didn't know that I was supposed to come forward. But God says, yeah, you are supposed to come forward. James 4.17, and here's what you need to understand. Here's what the Bible teaches, James 4.17. Therefore, to him that knoweth to do good and doeth it not, to him it is sin. So when you know something's right to do, and you just choose not to do it anyway, hey, the Bible calls that a sin. Keep your place there in James. We're going to come back. We're going to come back to Hebrews, but James is right there. So just keep your finger there. And go with me in the book of 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Got Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts, Romans, 1, 2 Corinthians. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. And let me, you know, make this application. And this application is not about soul winning. But there are some soul winning verbiage being used in Leviticus 5.1. In fact, go keep your place there in 2 Corinthians 4 and James 4, but go back to Leviticus 5 real quickly and look at verse 1. Notice what the Bible says. And if a soul sin, and hear the voice of swearing, and is a witness. You see that word witness there? Well, you know, Jesus said, but ye shall receive power, after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. Did he not? The Bible calls a soul winner a witness. You go out and you, you say, you know, you got saved and you know how to get saved. And then you go out and testify about how others can be saved. You go out and you are a witness. He said, and you shall be witnesses unto me, both in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. So, you know, here the Bible says, hey, if you're a witness, Leviticus 5.1, notice what it says, whether he has seen it or known of it, if he do not, notice this word, utter it. You see that word utter? Well, you know, Paul said, and for me, that utterance may be given unto me, right? That I may open my mouth boldly to make known the mystery of the gospel. So these are soul winning verbs, you know, uh, kind of verbiage being used here. Because as a soul winner, we are to be witnesses. As a soul winner, we are to open our mouth boldly and make known the truth that we know, the mystery of the gospel, that utterance may be given unto us. Are you there in 2 Corinthians chapter 4? Look at verse 3. 2 Corinthians chapter 4 and verse 3 says this, But if our gospel be hid, it is hid to them that are lost. And I just want you to understand this. The Bible says, if you know the truth, and, and, and I understand Leviticus 5.1 is not talking about soul winning. But here's what he's saying. If you know the truth, that could either, you know, make someone free or make someone guilty. You know, if you know the truth and you choose to not utter it, you choose not to say, God says, you know what, that's a sin. Because to him that knows to do good and do it not to him, it is sin. And I would submit to you tonight that if you are a saved individual, you've been forgiven of your sins, someone preached the gospel to you, someone cared enough about you, someone decided that you were worth opening the Bible to and opening the mouth to and preaching the gospel to you, and then you choose there and you choose not to utter that, you choose not to tell other people that need to hear that truth, hey, you know what, that's a sin. Amen. You need to get right with God. You need to bring a trespass offering to God and say, God, I'm sorry for not explaining the truth of the gospel and then get out and go soul winning. Because, you know, when you know the truth and you don't tell it to other people, when you know the truth and you refuse to speak it, God calls that a sin. You say, well, I, I didn't know that I was a sin not to preach the gospel. But you know what? If you know that you're supposed to do good and you do it not, God calls that a sin. So we see here that not to tell the truth when you know the truth is a sin. But there's another example. Go back to Leviticus 5. Keep your place in 2 Corinthians. Keep your place in James. We're going to come back to both of those areas in the Bible. Leviticus chapter 5. Look at verse 2. Look at the other example. Notice what he says. Or if a soul touch any unclean thing, whether it be a carcass of an unclean beast or a carcass of an unclean cattle, or the carcass of an unclean creeping thin, and it be hidden from him, he also shall be unclean and guilty. So someone just, they didn't set out to, you know, they accidentally, of course, somehow touched an animal that was already, uh, an animal that was dead, the carcass of an animal. Guess what? Now you're unclean. And notice the last part of verse 2, and guilty. Look at verse 3. Or if he touch the uncleanness of a man. 
Whatsoever uncleanness it be, that a man shall be defiled with all, and it be hid from him, when he knoweth of it, then he shall be guilty. Just for touching someone that was unclean, not only makes you unclean, it makes you guilty. It's a sin. If you touch an unclean animal, you say, well, that just makes me unclean. No, it makes you a sinner. You're in sin. You have to bring a trespass off. You say, well, I didn't do it on purpose. I, I did it ignorantly. It doesn't matter. You're still guilty. And here's what's interesting. There's a New Testament equivalent to this. Go back to 2 Corinthians. You were in chapter 4. Go to chapter 6. Let's notice the New Testament equi equivalent that's actually referring back to the same principle of Leviticus 5. 2 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 14. Notice what the Bible says. Be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Now look, we like to apply this to marriage, and it definitely applies to marriage, but it's more than just marriage. He says, hey, don't be unequally yoked. The word yoke means to, to labor beside, to, to, to get into, you know, to say, hey, we're, we're going to be a group. We're going to be a team. We're going to work together. He says, be not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship hath righteousness with unrighteousness? And what communion hath light with darkness? And what concord hath Christ with Belial? Or what part hath he that believeth? With an infidel, and what agreement hath the temple of God with idols? For ye are the temple of the living God. As God hath said, I will dwell in them, and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Notice verse 17. Does this sound like Leviticus 5? Wherefore come out from among them, and be ye separate, saith the Lord, and touch not the what? Unclean thing. And I will receive you. God just equated unbelievers and yoking up with unbelievers to touching an unclean thing. Well, guess what? Leviticus 5 says, when you touch an unclean thing, you say, well, I didn't do it on purpose. I didn't know they were unclean. But he says, you're guilty. It's a sin. And listen to me. In the Christian life, whether you do it on purpose or through ignorance, it's wrong to yoke up with unbelievers. It's wrong to just make worldly people that aren't saved, your friends, your buddies. I'm not saying you ought not be friendly to people at work. I think you ought to be friendly. I'm not saying you ought not be courteous to people at work. I think you ought to be courteous. I'm not saying you ought not, you, you should be rude. I don't think you should be rude to unbelievers. But listen to me. You ought not be spending most of your time and yoking up with people that aren't saved. They're going to lead you down the wrong road. And I don't care if that's your family. I don't care if that's your neighbor. I don't care. You say, well, it's my co-worker. It doesn't matter. You need to make sure that you are yoking up with people that you're equal to. Some of you need to just figure out that you're going to have to cut the lines and separate from unbelieving, unsaved, worldly family. Because what I've noticed in the Christian life is that Christians who cannot separate from worldly family end up being worldly themselves. It's the truth. I mean, I, I, can, I can tell you when people show up to church, if they cannot, if they do not have the ability to say, Mom, I'm sorry, you're worldly. Dad, I'm sorry. Every time I show up, it's just TV. It's just worldly music. It's just, you know, not a good atmosphere. I'm not bringing my kids here. I'm not bringing my wife. And if you don't have the ability to cut that line, you're just going to end up, being worldly, which is why God says, hey, that's a sin. You need to get that right. That's a sin. You need to make it right. He says, come out from among them and be you. I didn't say to be rude. I didn't say to not be that. I'm just saying, you better make sure, you better make sure that the people you're yoking up with are going in the same direction spiritually that you are. He that walketh with wise men shall be wise. And he that walketh with worldly men, guess what they end up being? Worldly. And he had walked with soul winners, ends up being a soul winner. You ever notice that if you just start hanging out with soul winners, you start going soul winning? When you start hanging out with these soul winners in our church enough, they're telling you about their soul winning stories, and man, this happened, and this person got saved. Eventually, you're like, oh, I'm going to try that. And when you start being a silent partner, eventually you want to be the speaker. Because look, it's just iron sharpened to iron. That's what the Bible teaches. And here we're told, hey, come out from among them and be you separate, saith the Lord. But here's what's interesting about that. He says, and touch not the unclean thing, which is what Leviticus 5 is about. He says, if you touch the unclean thing, say, well, how could that be a sin? I mean, I didn't, I didn't know. I didn't realize they were unclean. But he said, it is a sin. You're guilty. It doesn't matter if you did it ignorantly. You need to get it right. Go back to Leviticus 5. Let me give you the other one. Leviticus 5, look at verse 4. Here's a third example of things that people will often sin in and not be aware that they're sinning. Leviticus 5 and verse 4. Or if a soul swear, pronouncing with his lips to do evil or to do good, 
whatsoever be that a man shall pronounce with an oath, and it be hid from him, when he knoweth of it, that he shall be guilty in one of these. You need to be very careful about, you know, saying, I'm going to do this, or I'm not going to do that. We live in a world today, and look, we all do it, I do it, okay? I'm not going to sit here and tell you, you know, there's times when I tell people I'm going to do this, and I forget, okay? But we need to be very careful to not just be that person. You know, you, you know, you know that guy, right? Or that gal at work, or, you know, it's your family member, it's whatever. You know, they, they tell you they're going to do something, and you're like, yeah, right. They never do what they say they're going to do. You know, there's people like that in church. They tell you, I'm going to be a pastor, I'm going to be here. I'm going to be, and it's like, whatever. Here's what I've noticed. The people who talk the most do the least. The people are just like, I'm going to go start a church, and I'm going to just bring revival, and I'm going to do this. And I'm like, whatever, guy. Why don't you just show up? Why don't you just show up for soul winning? Why don't you just show up for Sunday night church, and Wednesday night church, and Sunday morning church? Why don't you quit telling me everything you're going to do, and just do it. Because when you say you're going to do something, and you don't do it, you know what that is? It's a sin. So why? How could that be a sin? I mean, my heart was in the right place. Your heart is deceitful. Go, go to Matthew chapter number 5. Matthew chapter 5. There's a New Testament equivalent to this. When you say you're going to do something and you don't do it. When you say you're going to stop doing something and you still do it. You know what that is? It's not a mistake. It's not a mess up. It's not a slip of the tongue. It's a sin. It's wrong. Matthew 5 verse 33. Notice what the Bible says. 5.33. This is what Jesus said, Matthew 5, 33. Again, ye have heard that it hath been said by them of old, Thou shalt not forswear thyself, but shalt perform unto the Lord thine oaths. Now look, if you forswear yourself, you ought to perform unto the Lord thine oaths. But I say unto you, swear not at all. Neither by heaven, for it is God's throne. Neither by the earth, for it is his footstool. Neither by Jerusalem, for it is the city of the great king. Neither shalt thou swear by, the, by thy head. Because thou canst not make one hair white or black, but let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay, for whatsoever is more of these come of the people. God says, look, your communication should just be yea, yea, nay, nay. You know, and, and don't go around and making all these promises that you don't keep. And, you know, making and saying, I want to do this and I'm going to do that. You know what? You don't know what tomorrow holds. So just let your communication be yea, yea, nay, nay. Go back to Leviticus 5. So those are three examples of, of sins that commonly people would not know those were sins. You know, I didn't know it was a sin, it wasn't, it was a sin to tell someone I was going to do You know, I told my kids we're going to do this, and then we didn't do it. Hey, you know, be careful about the promises you make, the oaths you make, you know, when you, when you swear an oath. Go back to Leviticus 5. But let me show you something else we can learn from this, from this chapter. Here's another thing we learn from this chapter is this. For those of you who like to take notes, you can write this down. Sinning in, the, in a holy thing is worse than sinning in a secular thing. Sinning in a holy thing is worse than sinning in a secular thing. You say, what are you talking about? Well, look at Leviticus 5 and verse 5. And it shall be, when he shall be guilty in one of these things, that he shall confess that he has sinned in that thing. Okay? What thing? Whatever thing it is that he sins in, he sinned in that thing. Now in that thing, verse 6, he shall bring his trespass offering unto the Lord for his sin which he hath sinned. Notice what he's supposed to bring. A female from the flock, a lamb or a kid of the goat. So a kid is like a bit, you know, not a full grown one. So a, a, a kid of the goats and then a female of the flock for a sin offering and the priest shall make an atonement for him concerning his sin. Now, Skip down, no, or look at verse 7, excuse me, verse 7. And if he be not able to bring a lamb, so if he's not able to bring a lamb, can't afford to bring a lamb, then he shall bring for his trespass, which he hath committed, two turtle doves or two young pigeons unto the Lord, one for a sin offering and the other for a burnt offering. So he says, look, I want you to bring a, lamb, a female lamb or a kid of the goats. If you're not able financially to do that, then you're allowed to bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons. Skip down to verse number 11. If you're not able to do that, verse 11, but if he be not able to bring two turtle doves or two young pigeons, then he that sins shall bring for his offering the tenth part of an ephah, a fine flour. Remember the cakes and the flour that they would bring? So he says, you bring the flour for a sin offering. He shall put no oil upon it, neither shall he put any frankincense therein, for it is a sin offering. Now, here's what I want you to understand. If you're bringing a trespass offering, you're allowed to bring a, a lamb, a female lamb, a kid of the goats, you can't do that. Two turtle doves, two young pigeons, you can't do that. You can bring flour. 
Look at verse 15. Leviticus 5 and verse 15. If a soul commit a trespass and sin through ignorance, but here's the difference. In the holy thing, in the holy thing of the Lord, then he shall bring his trespass unto the Lord, a ram without blemish out of the flock, with thy estimation, notice these words, with thy estimation by the shekel of silver. Now you say, well, what does that mean uh, in the holy things? Here's what he's saying. If you're just out in, in your home, at your job, out and about, and you sin, he's like, here's what you need to do. But if you are connected to the temple, uh, the tabernacle at this time, excuse me, you know, if you're connected to the work of the Levitical priest, if you're doing something or around something that's considered holy, the word holy simply means separated, set apart. He said, if you're connected to the things that are holy of the Lord, he says, then he shall bring for his trespass unto the Lord, notice verse 15, a ram, okay, so he said, I'm not taking a baby goat anymore, I'm not taking a lamb anymore. He said, I want a ram. And he said, I just don't want any ram. He said, I want a ram without blemish out of the flocks. And with thy estimation by shekels of silver after the shekel of the sanctuary for a trespass offering. He said, I want you to bring a ram without blemish. And then I want you to bring the estimation of the shekel that you're going to bring. You say, well, what is that about? Look at verse 16. And he shall make amends for the harm that he had done in the holy thing. And shall, notice, and shall add the fifth part. What is that? 20%. And shall add the fifth part thereto, and give it unto the priest. And the priest shall make an atonement for him with the ram of the trespass offering, and it shall be forgiven him. Look at verse 18. And he shall bring a ram without blemish out of the flocks with thy estimation. So here's what he's saying. If you, if you sin in the holy things, you don't get to just bring flour. You don't get to just bring a, a female lamb. You don't get just to bring a kid of the goats. He said, I want a ram without blemish. And then he says, here's what I want you to do. I want you to figure out what that ram is worth. How much would you sell? What is the estimation of that ram? How much would you be able to sell that ram for? And then I want you to throw on top of that 20% of what that ram is worth. So what is God trying to teach us here? Here's what he's trying to teach. A secular sin is worth, less, is, is worth less than a holy sin. Say, what are you talking about? Here's what I'm talking about. Some of you ladies like to gossip. And you like to just create contention everywhere you go. You're what we like to call a drama mama, right? You're a drama mama. Your mama was a drama mama. Your, you know, daddy was a drama mama. I don't know. And just everywhere you go, there's contentions. There's problems. You're always fighting. No matter what church you're in, you're always fighting with the pastor. It doesn't matter what church you're in, you're always fighting with the pastor's wife. It doesn't matter what church you're in, there's always problems. Nothing's ever right. You know, everything's always right. And here's the thing. God says, you do that at home, that's bad. You have a job and you do that at work, that's bad. He said, you do that at, at family reunions, that's not good. You do that on Facebook with your friends and your family, your neighbors, that's not good. But he says, you come into church and bring your drama here, that's even worse. Do you understand? He said, I'll take two turtle doves for the drama you do at home, but if you want to bring it to church, now I need a ram. Now I need 20% above that. He said, it's a bigger deal when you bring sins into church. Do you understand that? You want to go at work and be all mad at the boss and be all bitter and angry? That's bad. You're a bad employee. You need to get your heart right. You need to get right with God. But then you want to come here and do it here? That's even worse. Do you understand? I mean, he's saying, look, when you sin in that which is holy, you want to lie to your boss, you want to lie to your husband, you want to lie to your wife, you want to lie to your parents, you want to lie and cheat and steal out there, that's not good. That's a sin. You want to be rebellious? That's not okay. Even if you do it ignorantly, you need to make that right. Two turtle doves, two pigeons, a flower, a, a female lamb, a kid of the goats. But then when you come into the holy place, into the things of God, and try to cause that stuff and do that stuff here, God says, it's worse. It's worse. So be careful to leave your drama out the door. Be careful to bring your gossip to the house of God. You say, well, that's how we do it in my house. I don't care how you do in your house. Now you're in God's house. 
And when we bring sins into the holy place, when we bring them into the things of God, God says it's worse. So don't treat Verity like you treat Facebook. So don't treat Verity like you treat your husband. So don't treat, I'm not your husband. Listen to me, honey. I'm not your husband. All right? The, the, problem, the, problem with the, the problem with Verity Baptist Church is we get a bunch of women that come in here and they've never had a man tell them which way's up. They've never had a man stand up to them. Everyone's always been afraid of them. Then they show up to Verity Baptist Church and they're like, Pastor's so mean. No, no. Pastor, it's not that Pastor's mean. It's that Pastor's a man. Is that he's got hair on his legs. Is that I don't really care. You look, look. If I don't have a woman mad at me at, at, at every moment, I, I need to get right with God. You know what I mean? Like, there has to be a woman mad at me at all times at Verity Baptist Church, or else I'm not preaching right. If, like, all the women at Verity are just happy with me, then I need to resign. You know what I mean? Hey, look, I've got one woman in this world I'm trying to make happy, and it's not you. So be careful about bringing all your drama here. Be careful about bringing all your gossip here. Be careful about bringing all your sins here. Why? Because God says, look, when you bring it into that which is holy, it's worse. He said it costs you more. He said, you got to, he's like, I'm not going to take a lamb. I want a ram without blemish and figure out what it's worth and add 20% on top of that. He said, make sure you give the priest that you've been giving all the promise, make sure you give him a good tip. That's what he said. Go back to Leviticus 5, look at verse 3. Notice the steps he gives us for getting right with God. Leviticus 5 and verse 3. Leviticus 5, 3. Oh, if you touch the uncleanness of man, for whatsoever uncleanness it be that a man shall be defiled with all, and it be hid from him. Notice, notice the steps. Here are the steps. When he knoweth of it. When he knoweth of it. You ought to underline that in your Bible. When he knoweth of it, then shall he be guilty. Or if a soul swear, pronouncing with his lips to do evil or to do good, whatsoever it be that a man shall pronounce with an oath, if it be hid from him, notice what the Bible says, when he knoweth of it, then he shall be guilty in one of these. Keep your place there in Leviticus 5. Go to 2 Kings chapter number 22. You got those first and second books, 1 Samuel, 1 Second Kings, 1 Second Chronicles. Go to 2 Kings chapter number 22. Let me explain something to you about the Christian life. In the Christian life, you have to be learning all the time about things that you're doing wrong. Did you hear what I just said? Amen. Your whole life, your whole life, you ought to be learning new things that, wow, I didn't know that was wrong. Wow, I, I didn't realize that applied to me. If you get to the place where you're just like, man, I don't do anything wrong. You're an idiot. <laughs> if you just get to the place like, I got it all right. I, every, I mean, I'm just, I got it all down. Then you're not, there's, you're not doing it right. You're not doing Christian life right. Your whole life, you ought to be learning. Here he says, look, when you know, when you come to the realization, are you there in 2 Kings 22? Look at verse, look at verse number 1. 2 Kings 22. Let me give you a perfect example of this. 2 Kings 22 and verse 1. The Bible says, Josiah was 8 years old when he began to reign. And he reigned 30 and 1 years in Jerusalem. And his mother's name was Jedidiah, the daughter of Adaliah uh, of Boscah. And notice what the Bible says about Josiah. And he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. And walked in all the ways of David his father. And turned not aside to the right hand or to the left. Is Josiah, according to the Bible, in chapter 22 and verse 2, right with God? Not a trick question. I mean, doesn't it say he did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord? <laughs> He's right with God, right? Well, we won't read all of it, but he gets this idea where he wants to fix up the temple. So he gets this work day going where they're working on the temple. And lo and behold, look at verse 8. The Bible says, And Hilkiah the high priest said unto Shaphan the scribe, I have found the book of the law in the house of the Lord. And Hilkiah gave the book to Shaphan, and he read it. When they're cleaning up the house of God, they find the word of God. They've been without the word of God. But the Bible says that Josiah did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. But he was doing right with the amount of revelation he had. He was doing right based on what he knew. But when he was doing right, then God allowed him literally to find more truth. They found scripture. So guess what they started doing? They started reading it. Look at verse 10. And Shaphan the scribe showed the king, saying, Hilkiah the priest hath delivered me a book, and Shaphan read it before the king. And it came to pass, when the king had heard the words of the book of the law, that he rent his clothes. 
And the king commanded Hilkiah the priest and Ahikam the son of Shaphan and Akbor and the son of Micaiah and Shaphan the scribe and Azahiah and the servant of the king uh, of the king saying, Go ye, inquire of the Lord for me, for the people and for all Judah concerning the words of this book that is found. For great is the wrath of the Lord that is kindled against us because our fathers have not hearkened unto the words of this book to do according to all that which is written concerning us. He's like, Whoa, we are in sin. We are doing wrong. We need to get right with God. But wait, in verse 2 it says that he did that which was right in the sight of the Lord. Because listen to me. In the Christian light, God gives you some truths, and you begin to get right, and you do right. But guess what? After you've been walking in that truth for a while, there should be other times in your life when you're like, Whoa, I need to get that right. And then you just walk in that truth for a while. And then there should be other times when you're reading the Bible and you're like, whoa, that, that just cut me. The Word of God is quick and powerful, right? Sharpening to its sword, piercing even to the dividing center of soul and spirit. You say, wow, that just hit me. I need to get that right. The Christian life ought to be a life where we're constantly being, you know, learning and becoming knowledgeable about sin. And, and the further along you go, the harder it is to find. See, people come to churches like Lady Baptist Church. And here's what people think. They think, oh, because my wife quit wearing pants, and now she's wearing dresses. Someone cut me off. <laughs> which I'm all for. You know, the Bible says that the woman shall not wear that which pertaineth unto a man, neither shall a man put on a woman's garment, for all that do so are abominations to the Lord thy God. I believe that. You know, but, but they'll say, but they'll say, oh, you know, my wife's wearing, we're not wearing pants anymore. You know, we don't own a television anymore. Hey, I'm all for that. The Bible says I will set no wicked thing before mine eyes. I hate the work of them that turn aside. It shall not cling to me. I'm all for it. Amen. You know, but, 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 but listen to me very carefully. And, and, and you say, well, I'm showing up to Wednesday night church. I'm showing up to Sunday night church. I'm showing up to Sunday morning church. I'm reading the Bible. I'm praying. I'm doing right. Uh, things are going well. And, but he, listen to me. Then you think you just made it. And I'm all for all that. My wife and I threw our TV out the door before it was cool. When no one else was doing it, right? You know, before it was a thing. We Look, I agree with all that. I believe all that. But listen to me. Eventually, you know what Jesus called it? Jesus told the Pharisees, he says, you tithe and mint and anise. But he said, he said, you've omitted the weightier parts of the law. And you know, eventually, I don't, look, I don't care how much you read the Bible. I don't care how faithful you are to church. I don't care the fact that your wife doesn't or does or whatever, or what she wears or what you think she wears or what you think she wears when you're not there, whatever. I don't even know. You know, uh, I don't care what you think. You know, I got all these standards and all these checkboards. Look, they're in the Christian life, you know, here's what I've noticed. People that got all these standards right, yet they're filled with pride, yet they're arrogant, yet they're rude, yet they're bitter, yet their heart's not right. Look, listen, listen to me, wife. It doesn't matter if you don't put on a pair of pants, if you're still not being submissive to your husband, you're still not right with God. If you're still just rebellious and angry, if you're still just a gossip, if you're constantly talking smack about the pastor and the pastor's wife, hey, you know what? Maybe you ought to be looking for things to get right in your life and quit patting yourself on the back for the five things you're doing right. In the Christian life, yeah, you walk right, you do right, you walk in the ways of the Lord, and then God opens up more truth to you, and you realize, wow, I'm not as good as I thought I was. And those things usually become harder to find, because usually they're matters of the heart. So don't get this attitude like, man, I've got it all put together. If you think you've got it all put together, then good night, why don't you just stand up here and preach tonight? I mean, you must be better than the Apostle Paul. I mean, the Apostle Paul, who wrote most of the New Testament, said, Brethren, I count on myself to have apprehended. He said, I've not even attained yet, but uh, obviously you did, because you showed up to church on Wednesday night. <laughs> really? That's what we think. Well, I got these three things right, and no one else on Facebook has those three things right, so as long as I can boast and brag about those three things, I read nine chapters a day. Do you apply nine chapters a day? I, I, I spent all this time, so look, it, good, I'm glad. But you know what? The Christian life is a life of growth. Amen. And if you're not always constantly finding things that you need to be doing better, if you're not always constantly finding things, then maybe you need to slow down your Bible reading and actually apply it. Because here we're told, look what we're told. 
Go back to Leviticus 5. Here's the three steps. When he knoweth of it, when he knoweth of it, when Josiah got, became aware of it, you said, then, then what do I do? Well, here's step two, verse five. And it shall be when he shall be guilty in one of these things that he shall confess that he hath sinned in that thing. And please don't misunderstand me. I'm not minimizing, you know, throw your TV out the window, okay? Sometimes I preach like this and people are like, Pastor man is a liberal. You're an idiot, all right? If you, and I'm trying to be as kind as I can. That's the kindest word I could think of. If you want to go toe-to-toe on standards, let's go toe-to-toe on standards. Let's see who lives the stricter life. I'd be happy to. All right? I'm not minimizing that. But I'm also not going to allow this church to become a church filled with a bunch of Pharisees who think just because they dress right on Wednesday night, they can go around and just be lifted with pride, be bitter and angry, be wrathful, and think, well, I'm right with the Lord. Because I read my three chapters today. You need to get right with God. You need to realize you don't got to put it all together. You need to realize that the Christian life is a life of growth. And there's always things for you to work on. If Paul, if Paul could realize that, then good night. So can you. So, so what do you do when you find that out? Look at verse 5. And it shall be, when he shall be guilty in one of these things, that he shall confess that he has sinned in that thing. It's funny how Christians never want to confess. I don't know how many talks I've had where I'm just like, no, you need to confess about the sin. You know, it, they, they blush to confess sins that they did not blush to commit. You know, you'll commit sins, but then you're like, I don't want to confess. The Bible says if we confess our sins, He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. You need to confess your sin. You know what confessing your sin means? It means you admit it to God. And, and sometimes you need to admit it to others. And we're going to talk about that in verse, six, verse 16. Because here's the, here's the Christian life you and I like. Right? I, didn't get, I did wrong, so I'm going to confess that to God. Right? I'm going to confess it privately to God. I don't, I, I don't need a priest. Hey, I'm, I'm all for that. You don't need a priest. But look at verse 16. How do you make things right? Verse 16. And he shall make amends for the harm that he hath done. And he shall make amends for the harm that he hath done. You know what, when we sin, you know what, we're not an island, our sin hurts people. And whenever possible, we need to try to make those things right. By the way, that's why the sin of gossip is just such a terrible sin. Because people are like, people will gossip about you, and they'll say all sorts of untrue things, or things they don't know if they're true, they weren't even there. And then years later, they get right with God, and they're like, Pastor, this happened to me. Pastor, I was saying all this stuff about you, I was saying all this stuff about your wife. And you know, you say, well, what do you do? You, you, what, what do you do? You just forgive them. But I can't take back all those things they told people. I used to have a youth pastor who said, here's what gossip does. It's like, remember those old uh, pillows that were filled with, those, with feathers? He said, go, go, to, go to the tallest building in the city and just rip open one of those pillows and let all those feathers fly out into the air. And then try to grab all those back. You can't. Just realize you're sitting with people. And two years later, when God slapped you hard enough to make you realize it, you can get right with God. But you know what? You still hurt people. And here we're told, hey, when you sin, you should make amends for the harm that you have done. And sometimes you can't. There's nothing you can do. All you can do is apologize. But can you at least apologize? I'll confess it to God. Well, maybe you need to confess it to the person you're hurting. And maybe you need to try to make it right. Maybe you need to figure out, you know, the estimation of the thing and add 20% on top of that. Because it's not enough to just learn about sin. It's not enough to just confess sin. God wants us to actually amend the faults that we've done. He wants us to try to make them right. Go to the book of Numbers. Numbers 15. We're done. Well, we're not done, but we're, we're getting ready to be done. Numbers 15. So, those are just some things we can learn from that chapter, but... I want to end by talking about the sin of willful, uh, of a willful sin. Because you, what you won't find in these passages is a sacrifice for a willful sin. All of them were sins of ignorance. Now again, what does it mean to sin ignorantly? You just don't know what the Bible says? Or, or you're not thinking about that specific thing in Scripture? You didn't go out to perform that sin? It wasn't premeditated? You just, you know, got in the flesh and you sinned? Numbers 15, uh, we, we read this last week, so we'll, we'll skip some of it, but 
he talks about, just look at verse 22. He says, and if you have heard and not observed these commandments which the Lord hath spoken unto Moses. Look at verse 24. Then it shall be, if ought be committed by ignorance without the knowledge of the congregation. So again, he's talking about the sin of ignorance. And, and he's basically saying what Leviticus is teaching. But go to verse 30. Numbers 15 and verse 30. Notice what the Bible says. But the soul that doeth ought presumptuously. So that's not a sin of ignorance. This is just a proud person. Whether he be born in the land or a stranger, the same reproach of the Lord, and that soul shall be cut off from among his people. Why? Because he hath despised the word of the Lord, and hath broken his commandment. That soul shall utterly be cut off. His iniquity shall be upon him. So he's saying, look, if you're just ignorant of God's word, that's a sin. That's wrong. But if you know God's word and you despise the word of the Lord, that's what verse 31 says. You despise the word of the Lord. You know what it says, but you say, I don't care. And you sin presumptuously. He says there's no sacrifice for that. Now he gives us an example. In the next verse, verse 32. And while the children of Israel were in the wilderness, they found a man that gathered sticks upon the Sabbath day. Now look, does that sound really bad? He's gathering sticks upon the Sabbath day. And they that found him gathering sticks brought him unto Moses and Aaron and unto all the congregation. And they put him in ward. Because it was not declared what should be done unto him. And the Lord said unto Moses, What man shall be... Uh, that, um, I'm sorry, verse 35. And the Lord said unto Moses, The man shall be surely put to death. Notice what the Bible says. All the congregation shall stone him with stones without the camp. And all the congregation brought him without the camp and stoned him with stones, and he died as the Lord commanded Moses. For what? For gathering sticks on the Sabbath day. So, well, that's a little intense. Yeah, but I think the reason that God's given us this, this example is because he's trying to tell us this guy knew he wasn't supposed to gather sticks on the Sabbath day. Obviously, he's gathering sticks because he's doing this in some sort of a labor work. This guy knew it. It's not that he was ignorant of it. He understood it, and he despised the word of the Lord. He said, I'm just going to do it anyway. I'm going to get ahead for, you know, the week's work. And he went out there and did it, and God said, you know what? No mercy. No leniency. This is a presumptuous sin. Stone him to death. And people are like, for picking up sticks? He says, there's no sacrifice for woeful sins. Go to Hebrews chapter 10. Did you keep your place in James? Hebrews chapter 10. If, you, if you're in James, it's right before James, you got the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 10. Hebrews chapter 10, look at verse 26. Hebrews 10, 26 is actually talking about what we read about in Numbers 15. And I believe that it actually references the event of the sticks. Let's look at it. Hebrews 10, 26. For if we sin willfully, after that we have received the knowledge of the truth, there remaineth no more sacrifice for sins. But a certain fearful looking for of judgment and fire indignation which shall devour the adversaries. Notice verse 28. Does this sound like we, we just read in Numbers 15? He that despised Moses' law died without mercy under two or three witnesses. Of how much sore punishment suppose ye that he be thought worthy who hath trodden underfoot the Son of God and hath come with the blood of the covenant wherewith he was sanctified an unholy thing and had done despite unto the spirit of grace. And here, here's what he's saying. If that guy was showed no mercy for despising the word of the Lord, he said, you will be showed no mercy. God says there is no um, sacrifice for sin. Go, go to Psalm, Psalm 51. This is the last one we'll look at. and Because and, uh, I do want to make something clear. Obviously, we're not talking about losing your salvation. If you're saved, you can't lose your salvation. The Bible's very clear about that. But I do want you to understand, what the Bible is saying here is that God, if, if you sinned ignorantly, you didn't set out to do it, it wasn't presumptuously, it wasn't premeditated, you're still guilty, and you still have to pay the consequences, but God says, I'll be lenient, remember last week's sermon, no immunity, but leniency, I'll show mercy, but it's going to cost you something, if you're doing the holy thing, it's going to cost you more, you know, he said, but, but I'm not going to, I'm not going to just bring down all of my, you know, punishment upon you. But he does say this. 
if you sin willfully, there's no sacrifice for sin. And the perfect example of that is Psalm 51. And remember David? We talked about it on Sunday on Sunday morning about David committing adultery and killing Uriah the Hittite and all that. Well, here's what David said about his sin. Psalm 51, look at verse 16. For thou desirest not sacrifice, else I would give it. Thou delightest not in burnt offerings. Here's what David is saying. David is saying, I realize that there's no sacrifice I can give for this sin that I committed with Bathsheba because David understands that this was a willful sin. He said, I didn't just do this, you know, by accident. He said, I knew what the Bible says. So David says, for thou desires not sacrifice, also I would give it. David says, I realize that there's not any way for me to get out of this by just giving a sacrifice, saying it was ignorant. Okay, but here's what I want you to understand. God forgave David, did he not? And this psalm is a great psalm of it. Have mercy upon me, O God, according to thy loving kindness, according unto the multitude of thy tender mercies. Blot out my transgression. Wash me thoroughly from mine iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I acknowledge my transgression and my sin is ever before me. We saw that on Sunday morning. Here's the point that I'm trying to tell you. I'm not telling you that if you sin willfully, it's over. It's done. God's sending you to hell. That's not what I'm saying. But here's what I'm saying. There's no sacrifice for that sin. And David paid dearly for the sin. I mean, didn't he? Absalom came against him. You know, his daughter was raped. His son was killed. He lived a life of just consummate turmoil. Why? Because he couldn't just give a sacrifice. He couldn't just bring a goat without blemish and say, Lord, I'm sorry. This sin did not fall under those you know, Levitical categories because it was a sin of uh, a willfulness. And he even says, Thou desirest no sacrifice. He said, Else I would give it. He said, I'm sorry. I mean, you, we, look, we should still confess our sins to God, whether we do them willfully or not. We should still try to make things right with God. But just realize, just realize that when we are rebellious and we just are stiff necked and we say, I don't care what the Bible says, I'm just going to do it anyway. God says, All right. I'm just going to have to come down hard on you. That's what the Bible teaches. I know people don't like to hear that today. People don't want to be told what the Bible says. But look, I'd rather just know how God's going to deal with me and not be ignorant about the Word of God and know what the Bible teaches. Let's bow our heads and have a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, thank you, Lord, for this chapter. Thank you for the principles we can learn from it. Lord, and I do ask, I ask for people in our church that need to get their hearts right. Lord, I ask for me. I'm not going to get up here and say I'm without sin. We all, every single person, every single person in this room right now has sin that they need to confess to God. There's a sin that does easily beset them. They're not perfect. They've not arrived. They can grow. Lord, starting with me and every individual in this room, Help us to never get this proud, arrogant attitude that because I can check five things off my list, I must be perfect. Lord, help us search our hearts. Help us to identify sin in our lives, wrong thoughts, wrong attitudes. Lord, help us to be growing Christians. Not rule-keeping Christians, but Christians that are growing in grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior. And the more we grow in grace, then the more we grow in knowledge, then we will... Keep the commandments of God. But Lord, I pray you'd help us to never become this pharisaical, I've got it all put together church. While we're fighting and contentious and angry and rebellious, help us to keep our hearts tender to you. We love you, Father, in your precious name I pray. Amen.